0: Thank you, friends, so much for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you for reading us the Ten Commandments. Thank you for everything that you've done for us this morning. Um, Please turn with me in your Bibles now to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34, where Jesus um, answers the Pharisees when they ask him to summarize the law. It's on page 1,535 of the Bibles in the pews. Um, Over the past year, the friends have been looking at the story of Exodus from the Bible, this, this great story of God's servant Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into the Promised Land. And a really important part of the story of Exodus is the law. About half of the book of Exodus is the law of God. And and it's about how the people of Israel are supposed to live and how they're supposed to worship in response to everything that God has done for them. So the friends asked me today to speak on the topic of God's law. And so that's what we're going to be looking at, what God's law means for us today. And to do that, we're going to be reading from this passage in Matthew 22, where Jesus offers a summary of the law. And as we approach God's word, let's come before him in prayer. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that it teaches us about Jesus. We thank you that it teaches us how we should live in response to everything that you've done for us. And God, we pray that as we read your word this morning, that you will send us your Holy Spirit so that we will be transformed more and more to look like Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, starting at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God, With all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ is risen. This is the central truth of our faith, and this is what we've been exploring this whole time since Easter all the way through to now. We've been exploring the truth of Jesus' resurrection in different ways. We started on Sunday morning by looking at the story from Mark about the empty tomb, this soul-shaking account of the empty tomb that confronts the women and the disciples as they see the place where Jesus was laid, and the angel says to them, He is, he is not here, He is risen. And then we looked at a couple of stories where the resurrected Jesus appears to some of his followers. We we looked at the story where he appears to Mary Magdalene in the garden and she doesn't recognize him until he calls her by name. And we used that story to explore the beauty of faith and how God gives us eyes to see the beauty of faith when he calls us by name. And from there we went on to look at the story in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus appears to two disciples on the road to Emmaus and explains to them, using the law and the prophets, everything concerning himself. And from that story, we looked at the unity of Scripture and how the whole Bible points to Jesus, points to the truth that Jesus is the Messiah of God sent to redeem the sins of the world. And then last Sunday, we looked at the gems theme, that the Gems have been exploring for the whole past year about how we are called, like Isaiah was called, to bring God's message to all people. And that even though this message can be scary and we might not feel like we're good enough to bring God's message, God purifies us and God equips us to bring his message to the world, just like he did with Isaiah, just like he did with Jesus' disciples and with a whole bunch of other people throughout the scripture. And so we can bring this good news of the gospel without fear, because we know that God is with us and that God is making us strong. And today, we're continuing this theme of what Christ's resurrection means for us today by looking at what it means for how we should live. Now that Jesus has been raised from the dead, how should we live? Now that Jesus has conquered sin and death, how should we live? Now that we can proclaim Christ is risen... How should we live? Now, whenever we talk about how we should live and what we should do, we're talking about law. We're talking about right and wrong, about should and should not. And this can make people uncomfortable. Because it seems like there's all these rules, and so many of these rules seem arbitrary and seem hard to do and seem hard to follow, and, and it's like, who, who decides? Who decides what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad? And we can get really bogged down in these debates about what, what rules are more important than others and what rules are better than others and what to do when the rules come into conflict, and that's what the Pharisees were really good at. And that's who we see in this story today from the Gospel of Matthew. The Pharisees had all sorts of rules for what you could do when and when you could do what and when you shouldn't do this and what you should do if these two things come into conflict. And they would get in debates about these things, like real, real serious debates about like what you should do when, when these different rules come into conflict and which rules were more important than the others. And so... So there's always times when these rules come into conflict, and so one of the things that the Bible points to is this idea that there's this rule that you have to honor God, and there's a rule that you have to honor your parents, and Jesus talks about this in another place in the Bible. But, but let's say that you're a Hebrew living in the first century, and that you get to the end of the month, and you, you pay all your bills, and you don't have enough money left to pay your tithe and to pay to care for your parents. You don't have enough money, and so you have to make a choice. Do you honor God, or do you honor your parents? These are the kinds of debates that the Pharisees would have. These are the kinds of debates that they're trying to get Jesus into here. And they would have all of these debates all the time about what people should do in different situations, what rules were more important than others, when to obey this rule or that rule, and when to let this rule trump this rule. And these debates got pretty, pretty intense, And this is what the Pharisees are trying to do in this passage with Jesus. The Pharisees are trying to get Jesus into one of these debates that they loved to have about which rules are more important than others. So which rule is the most important, Jesus? That's what they're asking him here. Which rule is the most important? Of all the rules that God has given us, which one is the most important? And they want to get him into one of these debates. They want to get him into an argument about one of these situations where people have to choose but Jesus doesn't fall into their game. He summarizes the whole law, the entire code of how God wants us to live in two sentences. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus won't get into their silly debates. Jesus won't get into their little circles about about debating these little details. Jesus is looking at the big picture. Jesus is looking at the whole of the law and the prophets, and he says it boils down to two things and that these two things are really closely related. Love God and love others. And by summarizing the law in this way, Jesus avoids the potholes that the Pharisees sometimes fall into, where you sometimes have to choose between honoring God and honoring other people. To love other people is to love God, and to love God is to love other people. This is the summary of the law. But sometimes we still fall into the trap that the Pharisees fell into. We get into these little debates about what it means to follow this rule exactly, what it mean, what you can do when and when you can't do this. I loved talking with my grandpa back when he was still living, and grandpa remembered all of these rules that he and his family had about Sundays. They had all of these rules about what you could and couldn't do on Sundays. And Grandpa remembered all of these rules. He remembered all of these different rules that he had to follow. And so, like, one of the rules was that he could play catch, but he couldn't play baseball. He could go to the beach, but he couldn't go swimming. He could ride his bike, but only on his street. He could read, but he couldn't read anything that was homework. And he couldn't buy anything, unless, of course, they were out of milk. Then you could buy milk. But this isn't what the law of God is about. It's not about these little rules that we need to follow. It's not a checklist of things that you have to do to get into heaven. The law of God, as we understand it, teaches us three things. And you've heard me say this before, and you'll hear me say it again because it's so important. And I think that this is one of the central things that we, that we need to understand. The law of God teaches us three things. The first thing that the law of God teaches us is that we are sinful. When we look at God's law, the first thing that we realize is that we've broken it. We failed to do what God calls us to do, we failed to live in the way that God wants us to live. We are sinful. That's the first thing that the law teaches us. But the second thing that the law teaches us is to look to Jesus, to focus on Jesus, to rely on Jesus. We aren't left alone. God doesn't abandon us to failure. He doesn't say, here's the law, you broke it, done. The law points us to Jesus. On the road to Emmaus, the story that Pastor Carl preached on just a couple of weeks ago, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus explains to his disciples everything that the scripture had to teach about him, starting with the law of Moses. The law points to Jesus. It points to Jesus because Jesus fulfills the law. It points to Jesus because Jesus is the only answer to the problem of sin, It points to Jesus because Jesus is the only solution to our inability to follow the law. The law points us to Jesus because Jesus forgives our sins and obeys God's law perfectly and sends us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Jesus has taken the penalty of our sin. He has defeated death and he's been raised to new life and shares that new life with us. The law points us to Jesus. Because Jesus has defeated sin and death and has obeyed God perfectly in everything. And so that's the second thing that the law teaches us. The law teaches us to rely on Jesus for everything. And it might seem like we could just stop there. The law shows us that we're sinful and then it shows us to look to Jesus. That's, a, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and it seems like we could end it there. But the Bible goes one step further and gives us a third thing that the law of God does. Once the law of God has convicted us of our own sin and pointed us to Jesus as the only solution for our sin, the law doesn't go away. The third thing that the law teaches us is how we can say thank you to God for everything that he's done for us. And when we understand it this way, the law isn't just a list of rules. It's not a checklist of how we can achieve righteousness. It's not about what we can and can't do in this situation or that situation. It's about saying thank you to God for everything that he's done for us. And it boils down to what Jesus says here in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Christ is risen. risen. This is an event that shakes the very foundation of the earth, changes the course of history, because in rising from the dead, God has shown that he has power over death. Death doesn't have the final say, and because of that, God has the power to forgive our sins in Jesus Christ. Our sin doesn't control our destiny anymore. God has set us free from that. God forgives us and adopts us as his children and gives us his Holy Spirit so that he can live inside of us. God makes us a part of a new family, the family of God, where we can live with him and worship him together as his people as his children. God has done so much for us, and the law teaches us how we can say thank you to him. It gives us space in the graciousness of God's love to live in a way that makes God happy. And ultimately, when we follow God's law, we live in a way that makes us happy too, Not happy in the sense of smiling and being upbeat all the time, but a deep down kind of happy. A happiness that's built on the deep down truth of, of knowing everything that God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Knowing that God is in control and that God is so powerful that not even death can get in the way of his love. A deep down happiness that sets us free from the worries and the troubles and the rat race of this world. I once read an interview with a guy who had hiked the Appalachian Trail and I tried so hard to find this interview because I wanted to give you a name and details but I couldn't find it so I'm relying on my memory. But, but this, this was an interview with a guy who, had hiked the, who hiked the Appalachian Trail and he had broken some sort of record and that was why the magazine was interviewing him. He had, I, I don't remember if he had broken the time that it took him to hike the trail or if he had hiked it like the most of anybody that anybody had ever hiked it or something like that. Um, but he was being interviewed by this magazine, and he was one of these really serious hikers who don't take anything with them when they go hiking or who, who, who don't take any technology with them when they go hiking. No phone, no iPad, no, uh, no radio, nothing like that. He just took food and water and a tent and maybe a book to read, and he hiked. And the person interviewing him in the magazine asked him, you know, if it, if it was tough to be roughing it for so long. Because he, he was out there, you know, he's out there roughing it, right? He, he doesn't, have, doesn't have anywhere to, to, to live. He doesn't have running water or any electricity that's, that's roughing it, right? And this guy's answer to the question was really interesting because he said he didn't really see his time on the Appalachian Trail as roughing it because society's rough. Our culture is rough. It's a rough place to live. We have all these schedules and appointments and expectations and responsibilities and all these rules that govern how we're, supposed to, how we're supposed to act and what we're supposed to do and when we're supposed to do what. We have all these rules that make us civilized. And we always have people looking at how we're acting and judging us and telling us what we're doing wrong or what we could, do, could be doing better, how we need to be on time and stop dressing like that and be more responsible with our money and get a real job. But when you're out in nature, hiking the trail, you're free from all those rules. Nobody's judging you by what you wear or when you wake up or how much money you spend. Civilization, he said, was where he was roughing it. And hiking set him free from all that. Hiking the trail gave him a chance to take a break from all that. And in some ways, and I know you're going to be like, what? But in some ways, I think that this is what the law of God is like. We read the Ten Commandments, and sometimes it seems just like a list of rules that we have to follow, that, that we can't possibly follow perfectly. But when we stop roughing it, when we stop trying to do everything ourselves, when we stop trying to achieve salvation on our own, when we let the truth of Jesus' resurrection wash over us, We start to see how the law of God sets us free from the roughness of society, sets us free from the expectations that everyone has of us, and we can start living out of love. We can start living out of gratitude to God. We can start to live in a way that says thank you to God because of everything that he's done for us. We start to live lives of love toward God and toward each other, because God has loved us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. O oh Lord, our God, we thank you for the gift of your law. We thank you that you show us that the only answer to our condition is Jesus. We thank you that you teach us to rely totally on Jesus. And we thank you that you show us how we can say thank you for everything that you've done for us. God, we pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit so that we can live lives that are pleasing to you, so that we can live lives that are set free from the troubles of this world, from the rat race of society always trying to get ahead and be better and more successful. Lord, we pray that you will help us to see that you have already accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished and that we can just live out of gratitude knowing what you've done for us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ who took away our sins. Amen.